going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K. The latest episode of the No Huddle Show. We're deep into the offseason. The Eagles are not quite done filling out their roster, we don't think, but they, they've made a couple of moves in the last week. Rookie minicamp starts this week. Things maybe pick up a little bit for the offseason. Um, Eagles signed Zach Brown and Blake Countess in the last week. When is Howie going to be finished building this roster? Like, what's the deadline? You think? Uh, I don't think there is a deadline, and I think that's what makes him yeah. such an intriguing general manager, right? It's he's a guy that you've got to worry about. It sucks for us as writers because we're on call like twenty four hours, yeah, like yeah. we're you know performing heart surgery. But uh, he's you know everything's eventful with him. He really like he. You know, they recently lost Dwayne Joseph, the director of pro scouting, to the Oakland Raiders. That's a pretty busy job if you work for the Eagles because they're constantly looking to get well, better. trade deadline. They've made a trade the last two years. Right. You look at the trade deadline. You look at waivers. Trayvon LeBlanc was a huge add-in. You know, Jim Schwartz said even last tra- year. Trayvon Hester, too. Yeah, Jim Schwartz said last year uh, that if they don't claim uh, Trayvon LeBlanc off waivers, they might not be in the position to make the playoffs. So I think... That's a very underrated role and a very underrated aspect of what Howie Roseman does. It's not all about trades. It's, it's it's about hiring the right people so that you can identify the right staff. He's in love with Joe Douglas. He's done that with some other bras. But what I think what I think is interesting about Howie is Howie while Howie is will make like that out of nowhere trade or whatever, he's also somewhat transparent, even if not on purpose. When he said it's not trade acquisition, it's not the talent end. acquisition season yeah. isn't over. Yeah, right. Like he wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't kidding. Like it, we, you and I turned to each other and we're like, "Yep, yep, they're <laughs> gonna sign dudes." Uh, and you know, he's made some power plays. They claimed two safeties off waivers and and tra- and signed a, a legit linebacker. So I think. I think I don't think he's done. I, I really don't. I, I mean, know, in this it, ro- it, was a, it was more of a rhetorical question. <laughs> I mean, in this roster is stacked. You know, like oh, you, you did a positional rankings thing, and just reading your story, it like made me realize, like you had you reasonably had the offensive line like pretty low in the rankings because you know there there's some like minor like questions relative to like other positions, like yeah. you know if Brandon Brooks is healthy, if Jason Peters should stay healthy, yeah, blah blah blah. But that's yeah. one of the best offensive lines in the league when it's completely healthy. And and it was what do you have it like eighth or seventh? Uh, seventh. Like yeah, like yeah. cornerback is deep now. Running back is deep now. It, it's it's funny you know because of like the rapid nature of the beginning of NFL free agency, the Eagles didn't sign any linebackers or running backs, and you had fans like freaking out because those are the two positions they always freak out about. The Eagles from the beginning, since owners meetings, Doug to Peterson, Howie Roseman were like, we we've signed running backs after the draft. The last couple of years, it's worked out. Not only did they trade for a running back before the draft and Jordan Howard, like shortly after that, they drafted Miles Sanders. They signed Zach Brown after the draft. If you had signed Zach Brown the first couple of days of free agency, everybody would have been hyped as, as hyped as they were now. Like it, with with Howie Roseman, I know. So it's funny because. I was thinking about it because th- this offseason he's added all these like potentially high impact players, and you look at the free agent class last year, like it's like such a difference. Like clearly last year they kind of were okay with what where their roster was, and that didn't work out. Like is was there any major addition besides Michael Bennett that really made an like in the offseason that made an impact? Like I I, I mean they signed Haloti Nada, he was meh. Corey Nelson didn't make the team. Um, a lot of a lot of those guys they brought back like Corey Graham and Darren Sproles who both didn't really work out. Yeah, I mean, really thinking about it now. I, I mean, mean, they signed all those special teams linebacker guys. Um, 
I mean, Josh Adams had his moments. I mean, that, and he was an undrafted rookie. Like, he wasn't right. even, like, a veteran addition. Like, yeah. I mean, Mike Wallace didn't work out. Yeah, Richard Rodgers like, really bad. All the guys that made an impact were signed during this. Like, even Jordan Matthews was three weeks into the season. Cravon LeBlanc was during the season. They traded for Golden Tate, who, again, didn't work out. Trayvon Hester. Like, it's just interesting how they kind of real. Expect, the injuries probably spurred this on, but you, I think part of their mindset is we're not going to go through the injury woes we did last year. If somebody gets hurt, we have somebody who can fill in for him. Well, and I, I think, too, when you look at this depth chart, yeah, they signed guys like Malik Jackson. They signed, They brought in Andre Diller. They brought in Miles Sanders. They brought in Jordan Howard. But the stability of the roster is from these long-term pieces that have been here. Like, yeah. one of the underrated aspects of Harry Roseman's second tour, we'll call it, is they've actually been able to develop talent unlike what they did kind of before. Like, they really relied heavily on that 2012 draft class to fill out the roster, and that was, like, a big boom. And But they signed a lot of guys, too. <clears throat> now you've – I mean, if you think about, like, signings of guys that have, like, really helped long-term during the second tour, you're thinking Alshon Jeffrey, maybe. You're thinking Brandon Brooks. Brandon Brooks. Um, McLeod. And McLeod, and those are probably those are the big free like free agents. A lot right. of a lot of guys are trades. Yeah, Mal- yeah, exactly. Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins. With, well, Malcolm Jenkins was with Chip. Ah, oh, good point. Yeah. So like those are the three, and they all signed. Uh, well, two of them signed in 2016, and one of them signed in 2017. So they have multiple years of of you know work under their belts, and I think that that's pretty impressive because that allows you to bring back other guys like bringing back Timmy Jernigan is a big is a huge deal I think because I think Timmy Jernigan while he was good as a starter I think having him as that third guy that early down player the obvious rundown move him around sort of guy behind a guy like Malik Jackson who isn't a complete player he's a very good pass rusher he has his moments against the run but he's not terrific against it really kind of fortifies that group and I think bringing back guys like um who else did they bring back Brandon Graham Ronald Darby so I was about to say yeah 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 go for it I was about so between Ronald Darby Timmy Jernigan and Brandon Graham I think their guaranteed money in this year is going to be less than ten million dollars combined. Yeah, which like, is crazy. It's those; these are guys who are key parts of the Super Bowl run. I, you know, I thought I, I think Jimmy Jimmy Kemsky tweeted this out the other day. The whole cornerback group, which yeah. is six deep, is going to make less than nine million dollars this year. That's crazy because that is a position. You know, we talk about how they don't really value the running back and the and the linebacker position. I mean cornerback position is one of the things they truly do value and they have six guys who can realistically start on a team yeah i mean like that's like maybe we've talked about it before how they have like a group of number two and number three corners and no number true number one guy there's maybe like 12 number one guy true number number one guys in the league i'd rather much rather have a bunch of number twos and it's interesting because you look at that it seems like they're pretty clearly trying to develop young guys on defense while kind of spending money on offense because Nelson Aguilar makes himself more than the entire cornerback room makes. Yeah, that is crazy. crazy to think about. I just, I That's a great article idea. <laughs> um, like, but so, you know, even on offense, he does get low-cost guys, but clearly he spent most of the money on the offensive line. They're going to pay Carson Wentz soon. Alshon Jeffrey is one of the higher-paid receivers. I don't know I don't know where he ranks in the league, but he's probably their highest-paid player right now. Fletcher Cox probably is. But yeah. the, the point being, like, they, they clearly, like, invested in building around Carson Wentz on offense while, like, develop, like bringing in veterans on short-term contracts and developing young guys. And, like, the, the, the reason why I always 
was like against them drafting, not against them, but didn't think they were going to, is Howie Roseman has said over and over again, you need to give young guys a chance to develop. And they have all these young cornerbacks who have been in the league three or less years, and they deserve a chance to develop. Like, you draft these guys to develop them, and then if you just give up on them, if you're just giving up on guys every two years, and you're never going to have a shutdown corner, I just did air quotes, because everybody just like, wants them to have that all the time. Which, if you look back, that's clearly something he's learned from his first, uh, since his first yeah. tour of duty, because he did give up on guy, younger guys. They gave up on Marcus Smith. Like they, you know, they they gave up on dudes. And I think um, mostly because they were chip guys. But, uh, <laughs> and, but like he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, but they did give up on guys. No, I, and I, so I, I think uh, I think he's that's been a maturity aspect of his job and his job responsibilities is he's been able to kind of allow things to process. And clearly Joe Douglas believes it takes time for guys to develop because he's added like 140 Ravens players. <laughs> or Bears. Or Bears, one right, yeah. It is kind of remarkable how, like, you, we, we should just plan, like, Pernell McPhee is a free agent right now. Like, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they signed him this week. <laughs> yeah, it would be a really interesting <laughs> He's not, like, fit. good anymore, but <laughs> and he doesn't fit, but, like, he's the guy that's, like, a defensive end who has a Joe Douglas tie. <laughs> it would make sense. Um, we should briefly bring up, before we get into kind of our current day thing so the eagles only have six free agents left and i thought this was kind of interesting um three of those guys could reasonably retire and the other three whatever you know what i mean so they so put Jay, some respect on chance warmack's name <laughs> yeah so chance warmack <laughs> and nobody stefan wisniewski uh jay ajayi Corey graham mike wallace darren and, sproles. and darren sproles i don't think darren sproles is back how do you know they, they they signed him last year after the draft the running back room is getting deeper and deeper unless they like just don't like Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams on this team, like Darren Sproles isn't really a punt returner anymore. At least he's not right. as good of one. And he didn't really he, he caught the ball a little bit, but he's not like as dynamic as he used to be. So I don't know. I'd actually rather have Wendell Smallwood. Yeah, well, Smallwood was a pretty good pass catcher last year. And then Clement, if he can get back to what he had in the Super Bowl, then you have two solid receivers. Maybe they sign like a, a guy to see if he can make it, like a Corey Grant type guy. Well, but, well, they got this kid Nico Evans, I think his name is from yeah, an from, guy, yeah. from Wyoming, who's Donald really? P- Donald Pumphrey is still around. Oh man, <laughs> I thought that that we outlawed that comeback season. Um, I don't know. They have to make five moves to bring in all these free agents. I mean, that'd be so sad if he was yeah. one of the people. Poor Dono. Um, so we shouldn't laugh. Uh, <laughs> JHI is not coming back. Um, I think that's a foregone conclusion, even though it's sad to see like how bad it is. Like, the dude's like 26. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it, it would be... I, I, don't, I agree. I don't think... Like, I would say close to zero percent he comes back but the idea of him just not having any any other offers in the Eagles just being like you want to be your third running back for super cheap like I don't think he would do that but right like, I would, like I would, that would make sense in my head if like it, if Miles comes in and you don't feel like he's developed as a blocker or a receiver and it's in training camp and then you have like an injury to Wendell yeah. Smallwood I could see it like, like Jai Howard would kind of be like a similar blunt Jai tandem except Howard maybe is a little more dynamic, dynamic than blunt was yeah uh, Chance Warmack's a guy that I do think... I kind of sneakily think they might bring him yeah, back. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm kind People of getting that crap because I wrote something about their free agents and the idea of any of them coming back. Warmack is the most likely out of that group. Yeah, I, I would say by far, yeah. Also, I can tell you that he got some snaps uh, at center in practice last oh. year. So, I mean, not that he... I don't know if he was good. I don't know. I never saw The fact him, that he made the team and stuck with it the entire season, they had like 10 offensive linemen all year. Like, and now they could sign him for they, even less. At the very least, they see something in him that they felt he was worth keeping around. So. Yeah, I think making him come I think that's a... Yeah, bring him in as a training camp. Yeah, wh- whatever. whatever yeah. What do you got nothing to lose? Um, 
Mike Wallace probably going to retire. I would assume. I, I don't. I don't know how many teams are going to be interested in him at this. They point. didn't. They brought him back. It from stinks IR. that he didn't get to play last yeah. year because he could have been fun. But he, he's a really fun like personality. Yeah, nice. He has guy. future in media. Honestly, I think he wants to get in the media. But and then was was Newski is like the the bigger is like the. Like if he doesn't get any interest on the market, maybe, but I, 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 think I don't know how much. Been, that I, that's bridge. what I'm. It was burned the moment he started complaining on social yeah, media. Yeah, I think that one's done. That's what I'm like. That's another one. People on the flip side, I had a couple people getting like mad at me that I was like just not. I'm just saying he's not coming back, and they're like, why, why not? They need a center and guard. Blah, blah, blah. Well. He, there's a reason why they declined. He wasn't going to make much money, and they declined his option. I mean, I was thrown through the fire when I said Andrews and Dejo is the new Chris Marigos. Chris Marigos. Well, he's probably not even going to make. Now the team. everybody's like admitting he's not on the team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, let's get into some of the newsier stuff now. Uh, the big one is Malcolm Jenkins. So a few days ago, Jeff McLean of the Inquirer reported that he was skipping voluntary workouts, which is normal for a veteran, not necessarily for Malcolm Jenkins who showed up every year, but. Not only is he skipping it, but he's in Philadelphia and he's working out somewhere else. Like that's a pretty he, that's a pretty close sign of somebody who probably wants a new contract. And I think he is in the right. You and I were talking about this. He might have the most leverage of anybody they've uh, yeah. had. Um, and so because of all the huge contracts that were randomly given out to safeties this year, uh, Landon Collins, Tyron Matthew, I think there was like another one that jumped ahead of him. It pushed Jenkins down to the tenth highest paid safety in the NFL. He's better than the 10th safety in the NFL, and in terms of value to the Eagles, he's better than the 10th safety in the NFL. So they have, they have really, if he's going to hold out, they have no choice but to pay him unless they are, you know, unless they're back to that cocky mindset where a guy's over 30, we can we can fill that gap. We're, we're good enough at evaluating talent, blah, blah, blah. I don't, there's no way they can get rid of Kim Malcolm Jenkins. He's maybe, only Fletcher Cox has a case as being more valuable to this team's defense. I think Fletcher Cox is the best player on this team. I think Malcolm Jenkins more is the most yeah. valuable. Like, not even close. I, like I really because well, like, he plays five positions. He didn't leave the field last year. So, yep, he plays. He plays every game and every snap. That secondary suffered injuries at a catastrophic rate. Imagine and, it without him there. Yeah, and he kept it all together. Every single player uh, I spoke to, spoke with during during this whole thing was like Malcolm's the guy that kind of just tells us what to do, and we kind of. You know, he took kind of he sent out kind of a warning shot, I would say, yeah, with his favorite his play <laughs> in London. And I actually remember that play too because it looked like Didi had it, so he was supposed to blitz. He was playing his linebacker esque role. Um, so he's lined up again. Well, I mean, I guess he was playing nickel, but um, so he drew Didi Westbrook in coverage. But the plan was to blitz, and I guess he didn't draw. No one drew Didi, I guess, or there was a mistake. And so he ended up covering him and stopping a touchdown pass. Um, look, this guy can do everything. I mean, I, I think Malcolm Jenkins is the best free agent signing this team's had. I mean, really, if you look at it from a, at least in the last 20 years. Impact, value they got him for, all that, yeah. And, you know, pay this guy. Like, he, outside of Fletcher Cox and Carson Wentz, he's the third most important. He's probably the third most important player on this team. They almost tra- you remember they almost traded him for Brandon Brooks or Brandon Cooks. Sorry, <laughs> Brandon. Gosh, man, what is up with me? Sorry, <laughs> the name game. Um, so they almost traded him for Brandon Cooks. Could you imagine that they would not be winning? Hey, they the guy, won- he, the guy he wound up murdering in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm actually kind of I kind of think that was some of the incentive. Uh, and now but- his ghost just plays for the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> but like. I, I just this guy is a leader in the locker room. Yeah, he says some stuff that maybe rubs other teammates the wrong way, or he kind of oversteps, or 
Um, you know, obviously he has the outside interest, but I don't think anybody has an issue with that internally. I, I just think he's a great, he's a great influence on a lot of these younger players. You know, you have guys on this team, some guys that are really talented that aren't getting playing time, and somehow you never hear them complain. And I think that's a reflection of the leadership in the in the secondary. You look at a guy like Rasul Douglas, who probably has a lot of leverage in the complaint department, and you never hear him complain. He's never a sourpuss about it. Avante Maddox can play literally every position on the field, <clears throat> it seems like, who's probably the heir apparent to, to Malcolm Jenkins. And I'm wondering if that's why the Eagles feel are, okay. Are in jail. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's ready for that role yet. He definitely has the potential to play there. Maybe that's why the Eagles are waiting to decide if they want to pay Malcolm yet or not. <laughs> I mean, well, here, here's the thing. Here, here's We could talk about how valuable he was and how great he was last year. You have a free safety who's coming off major knee surgery um, who there's no guarantee that he's going to actually play to the level that he was was. before. I mean, you saw what happened with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz plays nowhere near his mobile position. Um, And you don't really have a ton behind. Yeah, you've got guys that have experience, but they're not really starting level players. Trey Sullivan had some moments. Um, You know, Avante Maddox was pretty good at free safety. I wouldn't say he was great. Uh, Andrews and Dejo is coming off an injury-plagued year and was not very good last year, specifically against the Eagles the last two times they played. I just... You can say what you want about Blake Countess, but I, I just... He's more of a special teams guy. Yeah. Malcolm Jenkins is your is your secondary. He makes the corners look good. He makes his other free safety look good. He, he makes the linebackers look good. It, it, pay the guy. Just pay him. Like... You've been clearing out all this money. You can afford it. It's not so, my money. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I think they have around 20 to $24 million in cap space. Like, how he, if he, he could do his restructuring thing where he gives them more money now so it saves them money later or whatever. Like, whatever they have to do. Like, give him a few – throw some bonuses on his contract. Make it all guaranteed. Like, I, I, I'm not – a contract maven, but I don't think it would be that hard to give him a little more money. The reason why... I don't know how much more he wants. Like, right. We don't know like what's going on. He, we don't even know he, if that's the reason. He, he's played it pretty smartly, honestly. Yeah. He, like he, he, He's someone who will comment on something that he's a part of on Twitter. Instead of doing that, he's kind of let everybody say that he deserves to get paid, and he tweeted out a clip of him doing something great. Like he, He's, he's not so guy. subtly, but subtly like hinting that this is what's happening. Like he, There's been no confirmation yet, but... I mean, you don't work out in Philadelphia, not at the facility, if you're not like doing that on purpose. Yeah, I mean, so here, here's what I would. Unless I'm reading into that too much. He, well, maybe you know, I mean, he he's from New Jersey. It's not like he has like a summer. You know, it's not like yeah. he's from Miami where he goes home and. Yeah, but he could just work out in North Jersey then. Yeah, he could. <laughs> Wonderful place to be. Uh, but you know, I'm wondering if the Eagles are looking at this and saying to themselves, you know, he's 31. This is probably going to be his second to last season here. Do we want to take on the baggage of potential dead money in 2021, 2020, when we don't know what the salary cap's going to look out look like because, you know, there's a potential lockout? I mean, realistically, if you're smart, you know that money's just going to go up. Like, that's all, I mean, the NFLPA is not going to reach a deal where they make less money on the salary cap. Yeah. So, uh I think a deal gets done. I think Howie is smart enough to realize that while Malcolm may not be like the most, you know, praised upon by his teammates, whether he is or not, I'm not making that statement. 
he is very important to that locker room. He's very important to that secondary, and he's very important to that defense. And I think he's very important to. He's made Jim Schwartz look really good. So I, I think you got to take care of him. I agree. So you mentioned Countess. Let, let's quickly touch on the two guys they've gotten in the last mm-hmm. week. We could start with Countess. Um, so they're getting the, the gang back together, the 2016 draft class. All they mm-hmm. need now is to bring back Joe Walker and uh, Alex McAllister, and they'll have the whole gang. They, they cut they cut Countess at, shortly after drafting him because they needed the mm-hmm. roster spot. And mm-hmm. Howie Roseman has like, publicly admitted that he regretted doing that. Um, he's like a talented, young, athletic, like reserve safety, special teams. He can return. Once he got cut, it's everybody kind of just yeah, assumed they were going to claim him on waivers. He, I would imagine he makes the team. Yeah, yeah, he's making the team. He'll be. I wonder if that's at the cost of like Trey Sullivan or something like that, but or Sindeho. I think it's going to be at the cost of Sindeho. Uh, he's going to be a gunner. He's probably going to be their starting kick returner. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him looks at punt returner. And then from a defensive perspective, if you do use, I've been a pretty big outspoken person that I think the third safety job's going to change pretty significantly because if you have Avante Maddox started at nickel, you don't need to take him off the field because he's already got a safety. He's basically third safety slot corner. Right. He can, he can move back into Malcolm's role and Malcolm can play linebacker. Um, I think this is a smart move. He's a guy you're familiar with. He's a guy you clearly felt, saw potential in. Plus, he's paid for Greg Williams and Wade Phillips, two of the best defensive minds in football. Uh, he's clearly developed his football acumen somewhat i saw some people i won't name names say oh he'd be a terrible fit for jim schwartz's defense that's garbage that's not accurate people just say statements like that yeah that like, doesn't make any sense yeah. uh he's a former cor- he's a backup safety <laughs> but he's a college corner who, yeah, who moved to safety that's literally yeah. what jim schwartz if you wants. can play more than one position you're you're a fit in the defense <laughs> yeah, and he's a strong tackler uh he's made some plays on the ball i think he played in the super bowl last year yeah he's he's got experience and i think he and Zendejo are competing for one spot, and I think Trey Sullivan and DeAndre Hall and Godwin, I'm not Iguibuke, even going to... Yeah, yeah, those three are competing for the other job. I got another guy that claimed since our last podcast, actually. Right. So, so clearly they're, they're trying to find like a young safety. I think they think... So from my perspective, I think they think that... that Countess can be a third third guy because you don't pick up a special teams player for two million dollars. Yeah. You just don't because that's what he got. They could have just let him pass through waivers hypothetically. Yeah, right. They could, and he would have like special teams him. guys. You don't need a claim on waivers, right? Yeah. Um, unless you're Godwin. Big would, bouquet, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need time, as you guys know, <laughs> or maybe um, he just won't make the team. Anymore. Yeah, but I think like you look at it, if you're gonna have a true third safety competition, I think Trey Sullivan's making this team, but. Yeah. Uh, Zendejo and, and Countess, I think that's a good battle. Um, I don't think the secondary is a place where you need like veteran leadership. You just need proven ability. So I want I want to make that clear. Like you don't need somebody of Zendejo's like experience because he's just played more games. Yeah. Right. You need somebody who's proven that they can actually handle the NFL and play spot duty like Blake Countess. I mean, has. she looked. Zendejo was injured most of last season while Sullivan at the down the stretch was playing an important role in the defense. Like Sullivan more recently has been relevant than Andrew Sendejo. Right. I think Sullivan had a really good six game stretch there. Yeah. I think he was one of the more efficient players on defense. After starting off this year pretty roughly. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um so the, the other signing 
came as somewhat of a surprise just because we've talked so much about how they don't really value linebackers, but they found a guy that had a great value, Zach Brown. Um, by most metrics, he's been one of the most productive linebackers over the last three years. I think he's second in the NFL in tackles behind Bobby Wagner over three years. It's kind of like a Jordan Howard-esque edition where like maybe he's not viewed as a star, but he's just really, really productive. I think Pro Football Focus had him graded like the second or third best linebacker last year. I don't think he's necessarily the second best linebacker in the NFL, but he might be an upgrade over Jordan Hicks. I know. I think you probably think that. Yes, uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched enough of him to like make a statement like that, but this is like – just a quintessential Howie Roseman, under the radar, late offseason veteran addition, a guy who's going to make an impact on the team. Nigel Badham's the number one linebacker, and he'll get the majority of the snaps when they do the nickel and dime defenses. I think you can safely say that Zach Brown is probably the second linebacker, and then you have Camus and LJ Ford kind of battling for the other spot. So what I'll say about this is I think this is a smart move, even if you're going to have Nigel Bradham be the guy that calls the plays or, or is the signal caller. You didn't need him playing middle linebacker. And I think when when you look at what the potential of middle linebacker, you're probably having Camus, LJ Fort, Paul Warlow, and Nathan Gary competing for the two spots, and you're going to move them around. Now this allows you to have Zach Brown at least be a two-down linebacker. He's actually a smaller middle linebacker, six foot one, two fifty. I mean, he's got good bulk, but he's not a tall guy by any means. Um, he's played a lot of three four. He's played some four three. I think he's a good fit. Um, Look, it's a no. I think it's a no risk, high yeah. reward sort I mean, of thing. One year, three million dollar contract. Yeah, it, he's a guy that if you have to cut, okay, you eat one point five million dollars. Who cares? And by the way, sorry to cut you off. He was cut by the Ra- uh, Redskins, so it doesn't count towards the comp pick formula, right? I, and you know, I could. He was benched in Washington despite having great grades from Pro Football Focus, and I think that had a lot to do with the. Four scheme of, of yeah. Washington as opposed to like his actual like overall play. Um, look, it's a good move. Uh, he's only 29. He's actually kind of become the king of the one-year contracts. He's been able to turn one-year contracts into a Pro Bowl season and a three-year extension. So whatever. I mean, they don't value linebacker. So I think this is just kind of like a, hey, we just needed to solidify this linebacker position. And he and Camus will battle to see. I think I think the linebacker group's going to be, um, you know, Camus at week, it will. Uh, Zach at middle linebacker. And then Nigel at, at Sam. And that's his strength. You want him to be at his strength, even if he is the signal caller. And then I think when you go to nickel, it'll probably be Camus and and Zach, or it could be Zach and LJ Ford. Well, now you feel before if Nigel Bradham got injured, they were going to be in a lot of trouble. Correct. Now you can feel a little better about it. Mm-hmm. And so Lane Johnson and Zach Brown actually had beef before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two years before the Super Bowl season, Lane Johnson like wrote a Players Tribune article wherein it he said like we're going to whip that ass about <laughs> about playing the Redskins in Week One, and Zach Brown took offense to that. He like tweeted a joke about Lane Johnson's PED suspensions, and then he like said some more stuff talking smack. Lane Johnson squashed the beef on Twitter, which as you would expect. Yeah, that's uh, the type of guy. But he it, is. It, it's, it's just funny how quickly people are able to pull up like <laughs> that kind of stuff. He played for the Redskins. He's going against the Eagles, and and they get to play the Redskins in Week One, so we'll get a chance to go against them too. So. Yeah, I think. Well, and what's funny is Zach Brown's own for lifetime against the Eagles because his only exposure to the Eagles has been as a Redskins player, and they <laughs> haven't won the game in the last yeah. two years. 
Yeah. So that'll be if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> All right. So before we transition into talking about some guys, maybe they could still add after the compensatory pick deadline passes at 4 p.m. today. Recording this at around 11 a.m. Uh, I, I know you, you wrote something about so. One of their biggest needs is interior offensive line depth, which is something we both think they should target in free agency. But there's a chance that maybe they try Vitae out. Right. Pulivati Vitae at a guard. It, it makes some sense on paper. You, you don't draft Andre Dillard unless you plan to make him the number three tackle. Like if one, if Lane Johnson or Jason Peters goes down, you would hope that Dillard is ready to step in for them. That that means Vitae, who we've both talked about as like a potential trade chip, they're Maybe they'll test him out of guard, and he it's, if he has something there, then you use him there. If not, then maybe you look to move him. Yeah, I wrote a sh- short column on, on why I think it's time to try him at guard. I think he's got a really good body type for it. I talked to Duke Manyweather, who's an offensive line guru, and he said that he thought that he could make the transition. It's not an easy transition to make by any means, but he's clearly their sixth man, and he has been for the last three years. Uh, they they value him if he can move in to guard and really show that he's got a lot of versatility i think it'll really help him entering contract year so i think it benefits both sides they have nothing to lose i think yeah you have to say immediately look dillard you're the swing tackle that's what it is and you know how he's not in the business has said before we're not in the business of trading good offensive linemen I mean, he saw what happened when he traded Dennis Kelly, and that was a real mistake. And so I think keeping Big V around, even if he's at guard, makes a lot of sense because, you know, Brandon Brooks coming off that Achilles injury, if he can play right guard, they can feel really good about it. Also, having him be able to play guard left or right, if... Jason Kelsey suffers an injury, you move Isaac Samalu to center, and then you can have him play the left guard position. I think that's smart because center is a position where I really think they lack depth because I don't like the idea of mid-game or mid-season moving somebody from guard to center because it makes you weaker at both at two spots. Um, if you really think that Isaac Samalo is a really good left guard, which I would leave that up to you, the, the listener, to, to judge. Well, they gave him a contract of a backup. Yeah, yeah, he got low-end starter money. Yeah. Uh, and I think inevitably he will be the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey at center. He's so the backup at center right now, yeah. Right. So, um, Big V is a guy that I think enters free agent, or a, a, a contract year with not a lot of buzz. And if he can really develop in, into a guard, because, look, we've seen it. This offensive line suffers injuries. You're going to have an opportunity to play. And I think if he's that starting right guard in week one and you feel good about it, and he play, and let's say Brandon Brooks has to start on PUP or has to do an Alshon Jeffrey deal where he misses the first three games and he plays well, his value is going to skyrocket because not only can he be a swing tackle, but he could potentially be a starting guard in the league. That's going to be one of the more intriguing uh, minicamp storylines over the next couple of weeks. I'm not buying that prior. I, I'm not. I, I they don't, seem to be really high on him. Yeah, they yeah. do. I'm, but you can't rely on a six-round pick who hasn't played a snap. I'm very high on cheese fries, but it doesn't help my <laughs> diet. You know what I mean? Like, I think Matt Pryor's a good player. I remember when he's coming out. Uh, the Jaguars seemed to be interested in him as well, so I looked into him. He's a good player. He was a good prospect, but he ha- he. you and I have played as many regular season games as he has. Jordan Melotta. We've played in as many meaningful football games Just as football he has. Games. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think 
I'm interested to see how this undrafted free agent class works out because they have brought in a wealth of, of dudes. I think Ryan Bates makes this team easily. Unless they sign a guard in the next day or two. I still think, I think he's their last offensive lineman. They're not going to keep 11 offensive linemen. He got a pretty decent guarantee. There, where's, the, where's the spot at that point? They, they, there's 10 guys they have to keep well, at that I point. Think, I think they would move on from... From, from Vitae if they did sign said guy. And I think Matt Pryor, I don't know how Jordan Mailata and Matt Pryor are untouchable either. So I don't think Pryor's going anywhere. Mailata, maybe. Yeah, so, all right, well. All right, but, well, so we're, we're going to end on this. We're going to do a little activity. So, the, like I said, the, the deadline for player signing and not counting as a comp pick is today. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of intriguing free agents still out there. Some at need positional needs for the Eagles, which we both can agree are defensive end, interior offensive line, and probably safety, right? Mm-hmm. Those would be the three. So I'm, I'm going to go through some names, and then we just kind of react and what we think about the chances of them coming here or if the Eagles should pursue them. Let's do it. Ezekiel Ansah is the big one everybody's talking about. I, I, I'm intrigued by him as like a, f- a third or fourth defensive end who's a pass rushing downs guy, but I don't think he's going to want to do that. Like I don't see him coming here because of that. I don't see the upside for him. Uh, unless for him, he re- yeah. yeah. Unless he wants to win a ring, like that's. I mean, if he's not fully healthy, the upside would be going to a team where he doesn't have to play that much. Well, unless he has a background with Jim Schwartz too. Yeah. So I mean, you could you could say that. I, I mean, mean I Chris think Long had six and a half sacks, but he played more than he probably was going to because of Barnett's injury. Well, if, if Ansa signs here, he's He's observing he's succeeding Vinnie Curry as that third defensive end. There's no yeah, way yeah. he's the fourth. Vinnie Curry's more of like the run right. downs guy. Um I could see it. I don't I think he's more likely to start with some a team yeah. like Buffalo or Seattle. Yeah, a team where he might even start, yeah. Um Eric Barry, safety. I'm I'm intrigued by that. I don't think they will. I, I the connection to Doug Peterson, he's a guy who coming off an injury, one year prove it type of thing, but they're not gonna do that. Yeah, I, I don't see the playing time upside for him unless you really wanna bench, you know somebody in that secondary. I, I don't really think that makes a lot of sense. As you've said, they want to develop the young kids in the secondary. It doesn't make sense to bring in somebody who's entering the twilight of their career no matter how talented he is. Uh, this next one is someone we've both talked about a few times throughout the offseason. Is Jeff Allen, yep. guard from the Chiefs. There's like some there would be some irony in him coming here to like fill in for Brandon Brooks, considering first the Eagles were considering him or Brandon Brooks in 2016. He replaced Brandon Brooks in Houston. The Texans picked him over Brooks. They cut him after two years. Went back to the Chiefs. Doug Peterson knows him really well, so if they brought him in here, then you'd think they were confident enough in him to play when Brooks can't. Uh, he's played pretty much. All the guard and tackle, both he's played both guard and tackle positions. I actually think he can play center. I don't think he cost a lot. I know they were looking into veteran interior offensive linemen during free agency. It's just they they didn't like the prices. I think they were also concerned about compensatory picks. Jeff Allen to me is the most like ding 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 of the like easy to connect free agents post comp pick deadline. Um, I think he'd make a lot of sense. I think he would save you the big V experiment. Um, I think he'd make some guys expendable, and I think that's what you want. And when you have the depth that they have in other areas, you want to be able to free up spots. And I think signing a guy like Jeff Allen really puts like the the trigger of, of a potential trade to use. You know what I mean? I think... I think there's going to be opportunities to because offensive linemen are hard to come by, and I think Jeff Allen probably wants to win a ring. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to list off like all the offensive linemen available, but another one is Andy Levitre is a name that a lot of people have mentioned. He's 33. He's been a veteran starter. We know what he was doing. I don't know if he's that great anymore at this stage of his career, but he's a guy that 
you wouldn't be pissed if they signed him. No, I mean, yeah. he's never played center, which yeah, I think which should be should be a requirement. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jeff Allen hasn't either, but I don't I think it's an easier transition for him, especially with with how they want to do stuff. I, I believe Levitri's mostly been a um, what you call it, a, a left guard. Yeah, he really hasn't played. Oh, I guess he has played some center in Buffalo, oh, wow. but he even played some left tackle. Yikes. Uh <laughs> But, yeah, he's been mostly a left guard. So, I don't know. We'll see. I put him on my list, but I, I don't know if that – I mean, I think he knows he's not a starter anymore. It feels more like Jeff Allen, Mormack, or nobody kind of thing. Yeah. Um, defensive end Derek Morgan from the Titans. I'm, I'm intrigued by him as, like, a by-low on the downswing of his career type guy who could probably do better in a rotation role than the full-time role he had with the Titans. He, he had the worst season of his career last year, less than a sack, after he'd averaged, I think, seven and a half sacks for, like, five years. But, you know, he's he's kind of like a he's a type of eagle signing that they make at this stage of the offseason. And maybe he helps you. Maybe he's not good enough and you cut him after training camp. Yeah, I think he's a, a you know, swing for a single. He You know what I mean? He's a guy that could be that fourth defensive end. He's a veteran. He's from Lancaster, PA, which isn't too far away from Philly. Maybe he wants to close out at home, win a ring. I know I keep saying that, but we, you and I have talked about This roster is just stacked. Really so is. it's like like the fact that we're talking about a guy who's been a st- full-time starter for like seven years as like the fourth defensive end just says everything right but like that's the thing yeah. and i think um you know he's played three four he's played four three i think he'd probably benefit from a wide nine look the thing is though you bring we keep talking about this you bring in these guys, and it kind of slows down the development of some of these younger guys. You just Sweat, drafted yeah. Sharif Miller. You have Josh Sweat, who I actually think is a really, really talented prospect. The only reason why he fell to the fourth round is injuries. So And he wasn't healthy last year. Right. So, like, you've got to see that through. He's not Alex McAllister. I, I know people – Alex, people are probably out there saying that he's Ricky Sapp or Alex McAllister. He's not that. This guy is, like – an athletic freak but he also has some talent and some technique and i think he was just getting adjusted last year now let him do his thing all right let's list off some of the other defensive ends on the market and you tell me if there are any you're interested in there's not that many great names uh andre branch michael johnson Dion jordan wes horton frosty rucker coney ely um shane ray Shane Ray would be interesting because he's you, more of like a three four outside is yeah he's a little he, undersized well he doesn't really have nick perry no, you'd have to pay. Yeah, him. Pernell McPhee. Uh, I mentioned earlier. Like, Connor Barman just like ended his career like fourth, fifth. I would love it because yeah. he'd be great for the locker yeah. room, but um, he's probably going to retire. You'd think. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not. There's a reason. Usually, good defensive ends are gone at this point. <laughs> like that's the yeah the story here. So I think Andre Branch. I think people. Andre Branch is going to be one of those guys where people are like. You know, like how fans like gravitate towards like, and that's not a criticism. It's they gravitate towards a guy. Oh my God, he was a second round pick a while ago. Let's yeah, look you into need him. focus on that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I covered him for a year and kind of watched his career in Miami. And uh, you know, he's a good run stopper. So I could yeah. I could see the potential there. He's just not going to give you much from a pass rushing standpoint. All right, and then the the best safety that I've seen his name mentioned a, a few times that would, would be interesting because he's still kind of young. Is Trey Boston, twenty seven? He was pretty good for the Cardinals last year. He's been pretty productive. He's he just can't seem to get like a contract every year. He's like one of those safeties kind of lingers and then just signs later. I don't think they're gonna like. I think I don't think they're gonna add any more safeties at this point. I don't either. Uh, but if they did, I mean, he would be intriguing. Um, and then on the lower end, there's guys like. Darian Stewart, Glover Quinn, Kirk Coleman, uh, Reggie Nelson's a veteran 
there's a guy with a uh, Joe Douglas connection called Brendan Trawick. I've never, I don't know anything about him, but he was with the Ravens. So. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't send any yeah. of these guys. Yeah, not even Trey Boston. I have no interest. And in ter- terms of return the returners, the two that are free agents that I saw were Corey Grant, who you know a lot about, and uh, DeAnthony Thomas are the only like two guys. I don't think I, I don't again. I don't think they're gonna sign someone who's just a returner. So. I, I think Corey Grant makes a little bit of sense in that. He adds speed to the offense, and you can use him occasionally. But the problem with him is when he's in the game, you know the ball's going to him because he cannot block to save his life. He's not really a great yeah. running back. Um, and they already have enough running backs who can't do anything. But <laughs> right, he also doesn't return punts. So like, uh, if you're okay. going to bring in a primary returner, they need to be able to do both. Yeah, you need to. Be, yeah, I mean, and I think Blake Countess is going to be the kick returner this year. And if not, it'll be Corey Clement. So. It seems sounds like they might use Miles Sanders a little bit on kick returns. I think he'd be really good on punt returns because yeah. of his vision, but we'll see. Um, I, I look, I, I would take a flyer on Corey Grant if you got him for the minimum. Might but, as well let him try out for the team, yeah. But DeAnthony Thomas is interesting just because of the connection to Doug Peterson. I and mean, versatility, he can play a receiver or a running back. Right, and, and he could be a gadget guy. He could be – the thing that I'm interested about, and we haven't really talked about this, is who's going to be the backup slot receiver to Nelson Aguilar? Because I – like if I'm – Matt Collins? In the back of my mind – no, he's an out. Uh, to me, he's an outside he, guy. He played like 150 snaps in the slot as a rookie. Yeah, well, I'm not saying he's a good he's a good slot receiver, but I think right now he's their only option. Yeah, I guess. But I just, also, they I also use. Well, I mean, at least body type. I don't know if they necessarily even need a backup there because they're going to go 12 personnel a lot. They're going to put yeah. Zacherts in the slot. Also, Jeffrey plays in the slot sometimes. So yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's I, probably their mindset. I just like if Nelson Aguilar. So like down, teams usually are loading up on slot receivers anyway. True, yeah. but it does seem like the, the slot receiver does play some sort of. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like trying they have to have so many weapons. I don't think that's to, a yeah. huge concern. <laughs> we're just, we're I'm, trying I'm to nitpicking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it, at this point, all it is is like if the roster is like it is today on week one, they're fine. Yeah, they can play. <laughs> yeah, they can play. <laughs> they can play. They'll be okay. They'll be all right. All right. We'll end on that note. Uh, we'll do another pod next week. Maybe by then the Eagles will have signed some more guys or got rid of some guys because they're going to have to. Um, For sure. Nobody major probably, but uh, unless they like traded Vitae or something or Aguilar. Probably yeah. not, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> you never know with Howie, as you said. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Uh, we'll end on that note. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys, and uh, make sure to write reviews, leave comments, ask us questions. Uh, let us know what you think. Thanks again. Bye.